Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. To watch uh, uh, footy games, uh, cricket, whatever there may be. But tonight you gathered in church. And so I want to think for a moment about what the Bible has to say. Because as we're gathered... uh, What's the point of your coming here tonight and gathering together? And what really is church? The only way we can find that out is to go to the Bible and see what the church is in the Scripture. The church today is becoming uh, distorted. Many times it's unrecognizable. It's anything from a group of people sitting around a group of candles in the dark or burning incense uh, to... Uh, some kind of uh, an entertainment extravaganza. Uh, The church has become so distorted today that in many places it's not recognizable. And you and I need to look in the Word of God and find out what the church is all about. Hebrews 10, verse 19. What's the point? Let's take a look at this. Uh, Therefore, brethren... Now, you have to understand that the Apostle Paul is writing to Hebrew believers. They have uh, been Jewish by persuasion, but now they have come to Christ and they're under terrific persecution. And they're uh, being tested in what they're going to do, what they're going to be. And some of them are being tempted to go back to the Jewish conviction and the Jewish faith. And he writes in verse 19, these words, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, uh, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience uh, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want to fasten with you for a moment on a trend and the Apostle Paul touches this in his passage scripture. This is not new. What we're dealing with is not new. There's a deviation uh, from the faith in, uh, in all generations in many other places. What was happening to them is they were losing the focus uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were losing the focus upon Jesus Christ himself, uh, his work, and the blood especially that he had shed on Calvary's tree uh, for their sin. The house of God is at risk. 
He, uh, in verse 21, talks about the house of God. The house of God is at risk, and what was given to them as a heritage, what was given to them to be a stewardship was greatly at risk, and it had to be preserved. It was just not, not automatic. Someone who embraces the gospel, bows their knee to Jesus Christ. It is not just automatic uh, that they continue on in the faith. There's something that is essential uh, that is involving this. And these people were losing the focus of that, what that was all about. Now, this is a crucial issue today, and I want to talk to you about that for a moment. Uh, verse 25, look at it for a moment. It uses the word, the assembling uh, of ourselves uh, together. In the Bible, there is a word. That word is church. That word church is uh, actually the Greek word ecclesia. It literally means the group that is assembled together, called out by God uh, to hear the words from God by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I want to tell you that the understanding of that today uh, is greatly at risk. They have uh, many, many facets of uh, of uh, uh, expression, that they're claiming to be a church. We have large groups of people. They're generally uh, not connected together. But this, uh, this uh, imagery or this idea that you don't have to assemble together, you can, uh, you can just be a church uh, wherever you are, and little groups of people are gathering together doing various kinds of things, and they call this the emerging church. Uh, depending on who's leading it, depends on what they're going to do. But these are a small group of people, and their uh, main emphasis is to de-emphasize uh, the historic church uh, that has been left behind uh, and the pattern that has been left for us uh, in the Word of God. There are several factors that are very prominent in that. Uh, one of these uh, that it comes through regardless of who they are is to de-emphasize the business of doctrine. I want to tell you that tonight, if you want to survive, if you want to preserve what God has given to you, you must give attention to doctrine. Doctrine is absolutely crucial. And as you uh, uh, begin to embrace doctrine, it runs counter to the trend of the hour. What we're seeing today is churches that are experience-centered and not doctrine-centered. By that, I mean that they put a great emphasis on feeling. And uh, they want uh, some kind of feeling to be produced. And feeling is wonderful. It isn't evil. But I want to tell you that you cannot depend on feeling. Uh, sometimes you feel wonderful. Can you say amen? You get up in the morning and say, praise God. What a wonderful day to be alive. I'm going to go to church today. One morning you get up and you, that feeling's all gone. You say, why am I going to go to church tonight? There are people there I don't like. Am I identifying with anybody? There are people there that smell bad. There are people there that act bad. There are people there that are bad. And so you can't depend on feeling. What you can walk your mind into is the Word of God. And this is nothing new in Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. The Bible says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So let's think about that for a moment, because what we're seeing today, as Paul was dealing with there, 
is no authority. No one wanted to submit themselves to any kind of authority. Yeah? And they were depending upon how they felt. Uh, every man did that which was right in his own side, uh, eyes. Uh, and what is involved in that generally is a spirit of anarchy uh, or lawlessness, which is very powerful in the word today. Uh, under the guise of doing church, uh, people are doing various kinds of little things. Uh, and that's what the emerging church is all about. I read a book. A man came to one of our conferences. He gave me a book. It was called uh, uh, The uh, Barbarian Way. The title alone, it's enough to let your alarm bells off. But I read it through because uh, he'd given it to me in good faith. I read it through. And what this was is actually a Christian rebellion book. And he made this statement among many others. Uh, In this statement, he said, Christianity... uh, over the past centuries has moved from a tribe of renegades uh, to a tribe of conformity. Well, that was a very interesting statement, and that put uh, in focus what he really was talking about. But you and I tonight, uh, as we read this scripture, what's the point? The point is truth. Tonight, truth is going to make the difference whether you spend eternity in heaven or with the Lord or whether you spend eternity in hell. It's going to depend on uh, truth is it's being in this word of God and truth today is being lost. The blood of Jesus is one of the focus and central truths of the word of God. And when you lose the focus on the blood of Jesus Christ, you've lost a focus on something that is very powerful. It is enduring. It does not change with the age. It does not change with the fads of the hour. The blood of Jesus Christ is the receipt, if you will, for all that God accomplished on Calvary Tree. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ secured that for you and I and Proved that that is valid. When you look into the Word of God, uh, here in this uh, book of Hebrews, he talks about access to God. You and I have access to God. What a wonderful thing. We don't have to go through some uh, 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 person who's dressed in a black garb or have some kind of religious atmosphere. You and I, because of the work of Jesus Christ, we can bow our knee or lift our hands, however you may want to pray, uh, and immediately uh, you can have access to God to hear and answer your prayer. Do you realize how wonderful that is tonight to know God personally and have access to him? Tonight, the Bible says that you and I have a priesthood. Uh, this, was, uh, this was powerfully brought forth uh, in the Reformation. And that is, the truth is uh, that every believer uh, is a member of the priesthood uh, because uh, of Jesus Christ. And Peter brings that forth and said, you are a, a, a company uh, and a holy nation uh, and you're a kingdom of priests uh, simply because uh, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. We have here mentioned true cleansing. He's talking about cleansing. What a wonderful thing it is to feel clean. Can you say amen? Do you feel clean tonight? If you don't, you're in the right place because you can before you with services to finish. He mentions here this wonderful business of being cleansed from sin and defilement. And it's the blood of Jesus that brings that to pass. Uh, there are millions tonight, uh, uh, multiplied millions and billions that would love to know what you know tonight uh, and what you've experienced to be clean uh, and the eyes of God, uh, and to have God ministering to you uh, that revelation. You see, there is a revelation in the Word of God. When you move into the book of, uh, of uh, Revelation, the first uh, uh, beginning that you see is you see a golden candlestick. 
And the Bible says uh, this wonderful truth uh, is uh, that truth is made light through the church of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. You and I are a candlestick burning. Can you say amen? That candlestick is the truth of God embraced in our heart, lived out uh, in our expression, uh, and truth tonight is made uh, manifest uh, through the church of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a quote. I just finished a little book. I read a lot, and so uh, this little book's very interesting. It's a book on Ecclesiastes, uh, and uh, I underlined uh, this. I read this this week. Listen to these words. This is what's happening uh, in the church world. The ultimate test is not whether something is entertaining, but whether it is true. There's a danger of forgetting that requirement, even in current Christian circles, uh, let alone uh, in the secular uh, uh, climate. The preachers who are sought after are the ones who can tell funny stories and entertain. Sometimes they may be saying very little or even spouting misleading concepts. Never mind, uh, the saints are entertained, uh, and that's what matters. Or is it? Tonight, doctrine has to do with the truth uh, of God's revelation that he gives of himself uh, in Jesus Christ. Uh, And even the dynamics of conversion are being called into question today. Something that's very powerful, I think I was sharing with some of the young men uh, at breakfast, something's very powerful today is the calling into question what you and I call being saved uh, or conversion. How it's being presented is... uh, That conversion is not something that you experience in a moment uh, when you believe. Uh, It is not something that you uh, have as an event when you bow your knee, uh, open your heart to God, uh, and turn from your sin. Uh, That's not necessarily what conversion is all about, but it is a process. Or in other words, what they believe is that this process of conversion is not something that takes place in a moment of time. It's kind of... uh, uh, you know, you drift along, you go to church, you hear sermons, you, uh, and uh, all of a sudden you realize uh, that you're Christian. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says over and over and over again, it gives us uh, the circumstances of people uh, who in a moment of time uh, believed the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and they were converted. Uh, and so something happens in the assembling of ourselves together that is very, very powerful. Truth uh, has been lost in many, many places, uh, but you and I are responsible to project the truth. Can you say amen? And this morning we saw precious souls uh, that believed the gospel, bowed their knee to Jesus Christ, and made a confession of faith. uh, And this is what the assembling of ourselves together uh, is all about, that truth uh, may be presented and embraced uh, and people come to eternal life. The second thing I want to focus with you on uh, is the benefits uh, that are derived from uh, assembling together. Now, it's very, uh, it's very uh, uh, obvious as reading this passage of Scripture that something is very vital because the Apostle Paul is writing. He's concerned about what's happening to them. And as he writes to them, he's making it very important that they assemble together. And the reason he does that uh, is that each person that gathers together provides something uh, that is absolutely essential uh, and important. He writes in 1 Corinthians 12. He draws out this image of believers being the body of Jesus Christ. uh, And he says, now you are the body of Christ uh, and members uh, individually. 
So what we see in the Bible is something very powerful, and that is that we cannot function alone. What we have many places is do-it-yourself religion, but I want you to know that Christianity knows nothing uh, of Lone Ranger. Most of you are too old, uh, or too young, rather, to know what that is, but there may be one or two of you that know who the Lone Ranger is. Does anybody know who the Lone Ranger is? Oh, that tells me a lot about Australia. Amen. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger religion. Christianity uh, is a corporate expression, uh, and in that corporate expression, each member of the body furnishes something that is absolutely essential, uh, and that is involving relationship uh, to uh, other people. Verse 24, look at it again. Here's the statement that he makes, assembling together or assembling with one another is one of the emphases that's put there. Let's read it, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, uh, but exhorting uh, one another. So something happens when we assemble together, and that is that there's a dimension that is touched. This does not mean that you, can live, uh, you cannot live a Christian life. It doesn't mean you shouldn't pray or have a, 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 uh, a, a, an existence reading the Bible and, uh, and, and living this out. But something happens when you and I uh, gather together that is very, very uh, powerful. It's a dimension that happens beyond ourselves. How many of you know that the me generation needs something beyond ourselves. How many of you know that? This is the generation that plays that song over and over again. Me, 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 I, 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 I. But I want to tell you that is a very, very sad life. Something happens uh, when we gather together and especially when we relate to one another. And he uses that term twice, uh, one another, uh, and this puts something that is very powerful. Peter picks this up in 1 Peter 2 and verse 5. You also, as living stones, uh, are being built up a spiritual house, uh, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God uh, through Jesus Christ. So here then is something important. Living stones uh, means that these are people who in the reality of life are related one to another. And not only that, but he puts the imagery that we grow in relationship to one another as we become an habitation of God through the Spirit. This is why he says, exhort one another, encourage one another, minister to one another, Work out your problems that you have with one another. Uh, if you have problems with other people, work that out. Uh, you have to work your anger out. You have to work out your intolerance, your unforgiveness. Uh, and this is the reason it's so important to be assembled together and related to one another. Because uh, if you do not do that, then you never come to grips with your own personality uh, and see the ugliness that is there that God can deal with that. Uh, and there's a spiritual dimension that is embraced, which is a test testimony of God. This book is the testimony of God in the world in which we live. This book is God's self-revelation. You'll hear this from me over and over because many people do not embrace that. They don't understand that. This book is God's self-revelation to us in Jesus Christ. And this is not real. The church is not real unless you make it local. As you make the church local, you make it practical, then it becomes actual in our experience and it becomes experienced in the assembly and it's worked out. And Paul writes about this in many places. 
in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5. There's a very interesting text that is there. There's immorality. That immorality is, uh, has been tolerated in the congregation. Uh, and the entire first chapter of, uh, or fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians deals with immorality and how the church ought to deal with this. Uh, now, this is very important, absolutely crucial. Paul writes, uh, and he says, you haven't dealt with this. And he said, I'm telling you that unless you deal with this, uh, you're going to release a dimension in the spirit realm that is like the leaven or the yeast that you put in a loaf of bread that you're making. And as you allow it to continue, it will permeate uh, and it will fill the entire congregation with a spiritual dimension. You must discipline morals in your midst. Now, many people uh, badmouth us because we do discipline mor- uh, morals uh, in our congregation. And he says this tremendous word. Look at it, uh, if you will, in your free time. First Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, and as he writes there, uh, he says, uh, that person that is immoral among you, you must not allow to continue. Uh, and if that person will not repent, you must put that person out. Uh, and he uses these tremendous words. Uh, they're delivered uh, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now think about that for a moment. What is he talking about? Does he talk about uh, uh, outside the devil's waiting and we put someone out in the meeting? <laughs> he grabs them and uh, no, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is what I've been talking about is this valuable atmosphere and this valuable experience uh, of believers gathered together uh, and there's something powerful that happens in that uh, and that is that the assembly furnishes a spiritual covering uh, that is very powerful to bring people to repentance uh, so that they get their hearts right and if that's not happening uh, then your church uh, is filled with a permeating uh, influence uh, that's going to destroy what you have. However, he says, uh, if you put that person out from your assembly uh, and discipline them, uh, then this covering is no longer furnished to them. That dimension is no longer available to them uh, and they become powerfully vulnerable uh, and this will bring them to repentance. Uh, And he writes later about the same person and said, "Uh, you did what I told you to do. Now bring them back in because they've repented. But if you fail to discipline morals, there's a vital, uh, 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 there's a vital thing that happens uh, and moral violations are something uh, that are vital. If you do not discipline them, there's something missing uh, in the congregation of the Lord and you lose a powerful spiritual dynamic uh, of cleansing and purifying uh, that furnished in the congregation that of the assembly that is gathered together. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Let me conclude for a moment uh, by pointing out to you the acceleration and the need uh, that is involved here. Paul is writing, uh, and as he's writing, he's writing to actual conditions uh, that are in the church in the book of Hebrew. He focuses in upon that. Uh, they're being persecuted. Uh, The Roman government has begun to persecute them. Not only that, but they're suffering persecution from families uh, that are Jewish believers. They have become believers in Jesus Christ. And uh, and as they become believers, their own families uh, are persecuting them. Uh, Some of these are being imprisoned. Uh, Some of these... uh, uh, are uh, are uh, uh, suffering the impact of that. And Paul's writing to that, uh, and as he's writing to that, uh, he focuses been on that because
because this is happening in the church uh, to which he is writing. He's uh, writing about persecution. You know, it's an interesting thing in trials uh, uh, of, of a church. Something uh, wonderful happened. Something powerful begins to transpire. I remember uh, in 9-11 when uh, the Muslims uh, 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 kidnapped or that's not, they took over these airplanes and flew them into uh, buildings in New York. Uh, this happened on a Tuesday, I, I believe, is the 11th of September. And as it happens uh, there, uh, there uh, we were in a revival with Glenn Cluck. And, and his most interesting thing to watch uh, uh, as uh, we were Christians and observing that, uh, as we're watching uh, this uh, take place, uh, uh, this happened uh, on a Tuesday. And uh, we'd been running, uh, I don't know, around uh, 340, 350 in this revival at that. It was on a Monday night. Uh, and on Tuesday night, our services jumped 100 people. I said, wow. Look at that. And not only did they jump 100 people, they continued on to 100 people. Now, these were not people that didn't attend our church. These were our people that attended our church. It was so interesting. Churches in America were filled. For probably three months to four months, uh, people rushed into church uh, instinctively. Uh, they felt that they needed to get in uh, in the presence of God. They needed to get an answer from God. And it was so interesting to watch that uh, because something happens in a crisis to people uh, that begin to realize. Uh, and this is why the Apostle Paul writes. Uh, he's writing in crucial times and says to them, you need to get your rear end in church because something's happening out here that is endangering what you're uh, involved in uh, and that transpired and it was such a revelation to me to see that even in our own congregation here people uh, they were they they faithfully attend on Sunday and and, and uh, most of the time on Wednesday, uh, but they didn't come to revivals. But uh, here we have a crisis in America. I had one man come to me on the platform. And he said, "Pastor, Pastor, uh, because we didn't know are we being invaded uh, or is this just a step one of something that's going to accelerate all over our nation? We didn't know. Nobody knew what was happening. Uh, they stopped any private flying that was happening. They began all kinds of maneuver because we didn't know what was going to happen." And out of the urgency of the need, they began to come to church and seek God, and it gave us a tremendous demonstration. All right, having said that, now today, as you and I are sitting in this building, this is all the more urgent. Listen to the words, and so much the more, Paul says, as you see the day approaching. Or in other words, the Apostle Paul is writing. He's seeing the disintegration of the uh, society in which he is. Christians are under the gun. They're being persecuted. And he said, now, as this is happening, uh, much more so, you need to get in church. You need to assemble together. And you need to embrace this dynamic that is there. And Revelation 12, verse 12, says these words, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, uh, because he knows that uh, he has but a short time. If you're a student of the Bible, you remember reading the book of Re Revelation, there comes a time uh, when the river Euphrates opens. This is prophetic. Uh, and uh, three unclean spirits like frogs are released. They come out upon the planet. I want to tell you, I believe that time is upon us tonight. Can you say amen? Uh, I'm seeing things that I have never seen in my lifetime. People ask me, uh, you know, people are concerned about their house. How much is their house? gained in value, lost in value. What's the economy going to be? It's begin to, and they asked me, I said, I don't have the slightest clue. 
have to be honest with you, I've never seen anything like I'm seeing today in the world today. And it's not over yet. You might as well uh, embrace it because uh, things are coming that are going to make you realize that we're moving down to the end of time. We're moving down to the wire. I'm seeing social breakdown that are beyond my description. I cannot believe the things that are tolerated even in the church. I can't believe the things uh, uh, that are tolerated in society, laws that are being bent, uh, the uh, uh, social disintegration in morals. Uh, but I want to tell you, those are all symbols of something that's moving down uh, to the wire. And the Apostle Paul writes that and said, so much the more as you see the days uh, approaching. Jesus prophesied, and he said in the last days, uh, sin will abound. What does that mean? What that means is that sin is going to grow. It's going to be an explosive growth in planet Earth. Uh, and having said that, uh, as Jesus prophesied that, uh, we're seeing the moral disintegration of the world in which you and I live in our society. Uh, in our Western societies, generally, uh, we saw a moral foundation. We saw uh, the, the elements of the impact of the gospel of Christ upon our society. But that's rapidly disintegrating. And even the church itself is leaving that. Uh, and as they're leaving that, uh, this is causing uh, a mega effect. The mega church is uh, very prominent in the world in which we live. The mega church is, is, is shopping mall Christianity. You know what shopping mall Christianity is? Let me illustrate it to you. You go down to Woolies and you see this and you say, no, I think I can get this cheaper uh, over here at Kohl's. And so you go shopping at Kohl's. And, uh, or you go into uh, uh, Bunnings and uh, you uh, have this, uh, and, and, no, no, I think I can get that cheaper. That's, that's shopping around to get the press, best price. Now put this in the church world because this is what's happening in the church world. People are shopping around so that they can get the least cost personally, and that's shopping more Christianity. It's happening right before us. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, listen, society is disintegrating. We see the signs that are there, and you should assemble together. Today we're seeing the gospel that is being marketed. They're actually calling a church attender consumers. And they're marketing the gospel. They'll do a, a survey in the neighborhood and, and say, uh, uh, what would you like to see in a church? And so you put down what you'd like to see in a church. And they go through the neighborhood. And when they find out what everybody wants, uh, then they begin to tailor uh, their approach and their message to that. How many of you know, you don't have to do a survey to know what people want. You know what people want? Golden calves and sex orgies. You just read the Bible, Exodus 32. That's what people want. God didn't call us to give them what they want. Can you say amen? God called you and I to give them what he wants. And unless there is a message that brings them to the gospel of Christ in repentance, uh, then uh, humanity is naturally going to be a bargain hunter. We're going to go to the place where it costs the least to, to uh, uh, profess to be a Christian uh, and yet uh, begin, uh, say, I am a Christian, but it costs me uh, very little. Uh, and entertainment and fun has become prominent uh, in the Christian world. 
Music today has taken center stage. There's nothing wrong with music. We all enjoy music, and we uh, sing in our, in our services, and that's, that, that's great. However, I want you to know that that's not the end of the story. Can you say amen? Uh, whole industries are based on Christian music. They have left. Uh, whole churches are based on Christian music, uh, and um, uh, the attenders uh, that come to these many times, all that happens to them is they're just made to feel good. Uh, and I want to tell you, I don't want to feel good and go to hell. Can you say amen? I want to be saved. I want the word of God to penetrate. I want truth to go beyond uh, the surface uh, and begin to move in my heart and begin to move in my soul. Uh, and uh, we have added to that, the seeker-sensitive approach, so-called. What that means is the gospel's not up front. In our churches, the gospel's preached. It's up front. We know that people are lost without hope and without God. We have a message. Thank God. Can you say amen? A message of hope. You can have the curse of sin broken in your life. You can have your sin cleansed. You can be forgiven. You can know God personally. Uh, and uh, it isn't, uh, uh, we're not uh, going to get you in. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to hope that you're going to become a Christian. You're not going to become a Christian by going to church any more than you become a car if you go into a garage. You're only going to become a Christian if you embrace uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and in Romans 1:16, the apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed uh, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first uh, and also to, to the Greek. Uh, and repentance uh, is essential to get people saved. We had, we had a man, we sent this man on, into the field. This man uh, ministering uh, among Muslim people. And uh, one of our pastors was uh, uh, asking him how it was going and what the approach was and, and uh, what's happening. And this man uh, made this statement, which had stunned me. I could not believe he made this. Uh, and he said, well, actually, uh, Muslims... Uh, uh, they, 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 they don't want to hear uh, the gospel of the judgment of God. And uh, what we're doing is we're presenting the gospel in a softer and a kinder approach. And uh, uh, we don't want to see uh, what the Muslims see is only a, an angry God. What we want to see is a softer, kinder approach. And as they made that statement, uh, this man is not uh, and did not be successful reaching people because the only way you can reach people is to present the gospel of the hope of, of the judgment of God and repentance brings a blessing and forgiveness. Can you say amen? So as we begin to look for a moment, as I bring this to conclusion, uh, uh, God is angry. Can you say amen? God is angry. And the gospel of uh, or the book of Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So here we have the gospel then, and the gospel is very plain. We have the history of it being preached. On the day of Pentecost, the, uh, the uh, apostle Peter stood up and he preached, uh, and as he preached, they did not say, oh, what a wonderful message that he brings, uh, so kind, so gentle. Uh, he made me feel so good today. What did they say? The scripture records they were pricked or pierced in their hearts and said, what must we do to be saved? 
That's recorded for us in the Bible, and we ought to put that together in our embracing of what church is all about. What's the point? We did not come together in assembly simply to have fun, and I laugh. I have a sense of humor. Amen? It's a good sense of humor, I think. And so uh, I, uh, I'm not this somber event walking around with a cloud over my head, but you see, we don't come to church to be entertained. We come to church uh, to hear about God and to align ourselves with the Word of God and to repent from those things that are turning us from the eternity that God has planned for us in His love and in His grace. And this is the point. And the Apostle Paul writes this to the church of the Hebrew and says to them, don't forsake what God's done for you for something that does not produce what you know to be true. I want every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.